one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. It reminds us of all that once was good. The only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out is the Church of Baseball. White Sox Weekly, presented by Miller Lite, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. The latest news and views from players, coaches, and direct from the front office. White Sox Weekly, on the proud new home for Chicago White Sox baseball, WLS. Well, welcome in to White Sox Weekly, our final White Sox Weekly of the 2016 regular season here on WLSAM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We have you for two hours this afternoon before we turn it over to the pregame show at 535. White Sox and Twins this afternoon, just two games left in the 2016 season. Hector Santiago goes for the Twins this afternoon. James Shields Gets his last start for the White Sox of the 2016 year as well. Uh, And we've got plenty to do this afternoon. Want to obviously, you know, kind of put a wrap on this season a bit. Robin Ventura in a few of his media sessions the last handful of days has kind of been asked questions about particular players on this team and asked to wrap up their season. So we'll hear from him about uh, where things went for guys, where things went well, where things went wrong. Certainly this team is going to at best finish at 80 and 82 Two games under 500, um, which is not where the White Sox wanted to be coming into the season. I think uh, everybody has mentioned that. I think everyone has accepted that the the responsibility of having missed the playoffs, and you know now it's about turning a page and getting this team, which has plenty of talent on it, getting this team uh, buoyed with a little bit more talent and and making a playoffs in the 2017 season. How the White Sox go about doing that will be a very very interesting process indeed, and I think will be in store for uh, for a very interesting winter, that's for sure. But for now, two games left here in the regular season, and we've got uh, plenty to do here this afternoon. As always, you are more than welcome on the show. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. You can also hit us on Twitter if you're more of the online person. At C1McKnight is the Twitter handle. You tweeted us, and we'll get it here on the show. No problem there. Uh, those are the two ways that you can get in touch with us. As far as our schedule of events this afternoon, sat down with uh, with Carlos Rodon before he struck out seven in a row last night against the Twins. Opened the game with seven straight strikeouts, and certainly that's uh, it was an eye-opener last night. I think a lot of people knew that Carlos had that kind of stuff and that kind of ability to actually see it, you know, right there on display was kind of a unique and uh, and special thing. So we'll talk with Carlos. Had a real good conversation with him in the dugout on uh, I think that was Thursday afternoon prior to that last game against the Rays. Uh, good interview there. We'll get you that. Tyler Saladino spoke a little bit about his season coming to a premature end. Tyler's going to miss what will be the last, uh, I, I suppose, 13 games of the regular season. He's got a herniated disc in his back. He had certainly been one of the more interesting guys filling in at second base for Brett Laurie after a leg injury kept him out for quite some time. The performance was right there for Tyler. He was uh, hitting well, getting on base at a fairly regular clip, and slugging some, too. He'd been fun to watch, and he's he's a fun guy to talk to as well, though certainly uh, not as fun when he's locked up with a herniated disc in his back. It was... Uh, 
he, he was uncomfortable and and unfortunately uh, not going to be able to finish out the last two weeks of the season. But his injury has meant opportunity for Carlos uh, Carlos Sanchez, who himself has actually turned in a fairly interesting last month month and a half of the season too. Uh, Don Cooper, we talked with him yesterday on the pregame show, and he mentioned a couple of things. Asked him to kind of wrap up the White Sox from a you know from a pitching standpoint, as he is the pitching coach. And he went through a couple of ball players, a couple of arms in this White Sox rotation and bullpen. And I thought it'd be interesting to kind of hear from him again. And, and get his perspective on where things were uh, throughout the course of the year. And as always, uh, we've got your White Sox Week in Review. Although, since this is our last regular season, White Sox Weekly, uh, the creative minds behind White Sox Weekly, the uh, you know Dave Zeslowski's and Don Kleppens and Jonathan Bregman's of the world, have put together the year-long season in review. All the best highlights of the 2016 season. We're talking triple plays. We're talking home runs. We're talking all that good stuff. It's going to be in the White Sox week in review uh, a little bit later on this afternoon. So that's what you've got in store. I want to also tell you that uh, Sox fans, you can get out to Sox Fest in late January. Sox Fest 2017 returns January 27th through January 29th. It's bringing ballpark fun to the Hilton Chicago. You'll score an autograph or photo with current players, coaches, and White Sox greats. Your favorite areas are back with an interactive space to play games and win prizes and shop for team gear. It'll be a weekend of White Sox baseball that you will not want to miss. Hotel packages are available now. Visit whitesox.com slash SoxFest for tickets and more information. That's whitesox.com slash SoxFest. You can get yourself up set up, rather, for tickets and hotel packages and all the good stuff that you need to attend SoxFest 2017. Of course, we at uh, WLS AM 890 will be out there and broadcasting shows throughout the weekend and talking to ballplayers, uh, talking to White Sox, talking to coaching staff, all that good stuff. Should be a fun weekend uh, toward the end of January, January 27th through the 29th. So make your plans to be with us there at the Hilton Chicago. Robin Ventura, uh, and, and this is where we'll go after we get back from a quick break here in a couple of minutes. Robin Ventura spent most of yesterday's session with reporters kind of wrapping up the season for a couple of different ballplayers. And while, you know, he didn't go through everybody, there were a number of guys that, you know, that I thought he, he summed up fairly well. And I think, you know, when you look back at a season that was, you know, as contained as hot of a start, as as the White Sox had at twenty three and ten, and then really dipped off performance wise and and wins wise over the next two months. You know, it's kind of tough to see uh, some of the some of the pluses that this team actually had um, because of of a little bit of disappointment. So I think it's important to go back and you know find what you had that worked because you know obviously some of the deficiencies that ball clubs have when they don't make the se- the postseason, they don't make the tournament at the end. Um, those are going to jump out to you and be pretty clear. And obviously the White Sox know and understand that, you know, they might have come into this season uh, a bat short in the outfield. Um, They might have come into this season perhaps a bullpen arm shy, though injuries kind of attacked them a little bit there too. Being a little bit deeper is uh, is not an easy thing to be in this league. It's, uh, It's tough to assemble the kind of talent that you can roll out there 25 and we're talking 26 and 27 and 28 men deep. Uh, you have to be that kind of deep in this league because 
throughout the year, you know, injuries will pop up. Guys go on the DL for a month or two at a time. I mean, heck, look at the way Omar Narvaez, who uh, hit his first major league home run last night. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, on the postgame show, we, we saw this pop up. Omar's dad was here for the game last night. It was actually Omar's dad's birthday last night at the ballpark, and Omar went yard over the White Sox bullpen, over the uh, the Twins bullpen, my mistake, and a uh, nice little uh, birthday present for dad there. Um, but look at the way Omar Narvaez came up to the big leagues in the first place. Alex Avila goes down with a hamstring injury. They, the White Sox ship up to Toronto to play that first series with the Blue Jays, who were absolutely mashing the ball. Uh, Miguel Sanchez makes his first start of the year. It didn't go all that great for Miguel that night, although he has certainly had a nice little season since then. It was just kind of one of those next man up sort of things. They were looking for a little bit of room in the rotation. I got to take a spot start and fill some things out as Matt Latos and you know John Danks were figuring things out too. Miguel stepped in, uh, survived a ball game against the Blue Jays. Kevin Smith was going to start, unable to do it because he had some back tightness pop up. And sooner than later... Omar Narvaez is called up to a roster, and, and he's uh, he's put together some some interesting, some quality at-bats and, and called a decent game, too. He's got some things to work on, uh, but definitely a, uh, a quality ball player the White Sox found there that, you know, maybe they, I think they thought Omar could be an intriguing guy eventually, but finding out that he was on the timetable he was, that he was a little bit more accelerated than perhaps was thought, it's a nice little surprise there. That's a good th- good guy to have. Good guy to find in that organization. And, and, you know, you don't get more than perhaps one or two of those in a season for any club, really. The, the kind of surprises. I mean, you'll have prospects come up like the White Sox had with Tim Anderson coming up on time, being up on schedule, maybe even rushed just a touch. Although I guess rushed is kind of a loaded term when we're talking about baseball. When we're talking about prospects in, in Major League Baseball. Rushed kind of implies that he shouldn't have been there. I think Tim Anderson has shown – uh, through his production, through his poise, through his ability at short, that he absolutely uh, has has arrived at the correct time in his uh, quest to, to learn this game. He's certainly not been playing baseball as much or as long as a lot of other top prospects in this game have, and you know, he's, he's availed himself really well. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly, WLS AM 890. When we come back on this side of a quick break, Robin spoke a little bit about a, a couple of different players. Wanted to bring you some of those comments, and we'll work through them, and you can get involved too. Let us know what you think about uh, the season-end evaluations from the manager. 312-591-8900. I'm Connor McKnight. You're listening to the final regular season White Sox Weekly of the Year. We'll be back after a quick break here on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Our final White Sox Weekly of the regular season. we got today's game. That's going to be James Shields and Hector Santiago as the White Sox face the Twins. We'll get the pregame started at 535, first pitch at 610. And then tomorrow's game. Remember, every game in baseball starts at 2.10 local time tomorrow. I, I should say 2.10 central time. Uh, that's so the calamity and craziness and chaos of what's going to be the AL and NL wildcard races all come down to a final moment. And then you just have this, uh, as, as a baseball fan, just this, this washing of, of joy and nonsense and craziness toward the end of a regular season. Should be fun to watch. Uh, you can join us, though, out here at the ballpark for the last regular season home game 
as the Sox face the Twins. That's tomorrow, 2-10. It's Fan Appreciation Day. Talk about uh, joy washing over you. Hundreds of prizes will be given away throughout the game for Fan Appreciation Day. If you want tickets, all you've got to do is get online, go to whitesocks.com, and get yourself out here for Fan Appreciation Day tomorrow as the White Sox wrap the regular season with the Minnesota Twins. Told you before break that we'd be uh, talking a little bit about what Robin Ventura had to say uh, concerning some of his ball players and, and wrapping a season, wrapping this 2016 season yesterday some. And I, I think we'll probably do that again a little bit this afternoon. And if anything pertinent pops up, we will absolutely bring it to you here on White Sox Weekly, of course, and likely on the pregame show as well. Robin will talk in probably, I don't know, about a half an hour or so with reporters. But yesterday he wrapped up a couple of guys' seasons. Todd Frazier, one of them, and Carlos, one of them, two Carlos Rodon, one of them as well. Figured we'd bring you some of these comments so that we can talk with them together, talk through them together uh, throughout the rest of the show. So without further ado, here is Robin Ventura's pregame press conference yesterday where he wrapped up a lot of guys' seasons in 2016. You've uh, watched some of these uh, guys grow up over the last three, four years. Can you talk about uh, the maturity of Eaton and uh, both on and off the field and what, what you've seen in the past uh, few years? Well, I think each guy has their own way of, of maturing, whether it's um, you know their their play or their standing within the clubhouse and, and what they bring to the table. And Adams, uh, you know, when he first came over, I think there was that. Uh, you know, which he still has. It, it, you know, you just have that, that competitiveness that, that he's out there playing hard. Uh, we had him in center. Um, you know, this year we moved him to right, and it just seemed to you know carry him to another place. And, and I mean that in a good way. Of, you know, just the way he played right field, uh, leading off, uh, being able to hit homers. He's just more comfortable in his own skin, uh, knowing what he can do, and going out and doing it. Robin, can you, can you talk about Todd Frazier's season? I mean, he's got the 40 home runs. He very likely will get the 100th RBI. He's very proud of those 15 stolen bases. Can you just talk about his production? Very proud. Very proud. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things uh, that Todd does that are uh, that are good for a team. And, and the homers, you know, the, the stuff that's going to stick out are the homers, the RBIs. Uh, but being able to play the game, uh, he's a heady player. You know, the 15 stolen bases, uh, you wouldn't expect him to be able to steal bases, but he finds a way to do them, and he, he usually does them in big spots uh, to be able to get in scoring position. Uh, defensively, I think he's a lot better than, um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what we really expected, but it, it's better. I mean, he's a very good third baseman, uh, just a smart player. Is he the kind of guy that works like, whether you're going for it or whether you have a, you're in a rebuilding phase, he seems like he's a good influence. Yeah, he loves to compete, and regardless of where you're at, he competes every day. Um, you know, he, he he puts it on the line every day. I mean, he's prepared, he works hard. Um, you know, he, he's fun. I mean, he likes to come out and have fun, but when it's time to play, he, he wants to get after it. Talking about his level of competitiveness, he said that if this game gets rained out, he's staying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to try and uh, get those extra two RBI. We can play two tomorrow and the next day, so he wouldn't necessarily have to play on Monday. So we'll just take it one day. I know he wants to play all of them, and we'll, we'll get them all in, but um, I don't think Monday or Tuesday is going to be necessary at this point. I think he can. we can play two tomorrow if we need to. And if not, we're going to play two probably on Sunday. It seems yeah. like his approach is, is better now over this last month, and you, you talked about it, and 
you know, you told us all year long that there's some things he could be better at, and it, it seems like he's done that. Well, he's opened up right field. Right? He's starting to uh, move the defense back around. You know, that shift was so one-sided that I think you have to make adjustments to be able to even that out, to be able to get, you know, your hits off a tough pitcher and, uh, you know, move guys around the infield. Uh, it, it's just... It's a better way to go to the plate knowing that you can spray it around the field. He's got some doubles on the other side. You're going to be able to knock in a few more runs of just putting it in play to, to be able to uh, you know, use the holes when you see them. So I think that part he's been better at, at uh, you know, doing that. And he's a little cut down on strikeouts, too. Robert, how about Tim Anderson? Pretty good rookie season coming up halfway through. Where's the improvement in your eyes going to come? Experience. This year, you know, he's still learning a lot about himself in, in baseball, and you know, having been a basketball player uh, for you know most of his young life, it's it's you're, you're learning. He's learning at the major league level, and I think he's done a great job. Uh, even when he hits a, a little lull, he's able to fight his way out of it, uh, continue on. I, I think that part's been great. I mean, been very excited about what he's done. He's had a good one. I'll tell you, he's he's consistent, and you know I think approach-wise, uh, he, he has the best approach as far as being able to withstand slump or or a, a, a cold stretch to be able to get his way out of it, no matter who's pitching left or right. Uh, you know he, he's just as consistent as can be, and uh, you know defensively can he has a great arm, he has a great knack for you know throwing the right base and, and accuracy. For Adam, uh, one other question I had was, uh, it seems that he's, he's kind of found himself his place a little bit more in the clubhouse. Initially, well, as a young guy, he seemed to, you know... Is that Mulkey? No, no, oh. Adam. Oh, Adam? He, oh. And uh, it seems like there's he's kind of modified his version in the clubhouse. Would you say there's yeah, been I some mean, growth it, there? Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you know there's there's times I think you just don't have to try as hard and, and for him that's it's been an easier transition of, of being able to do that and, and you have different guys that, you know there's different personalities that go into it but um, you know I, I thought you know this year it's worked well for him David Robertson hasn't gotten a lot of work just recently and I'm sure that's had bigger bullpens but you know his season's seen a lot of more walks than usual but been reliable there yeah, he, he's he's reliable. When you know, we went through a stretch where we used him quite a bit, and I think that's you know that, that lies on me a little bit more than than him or, or walking guys. And um, you know, we were with a stretch that you know the, the the veteran guys got the bulk of it, and that that happened to be him and Jonesy and and Jennings. So um, you know, this this stretch, I think you see when he he has a period of time where he doesn't pitches, how sharp he is when he comes back in. And, uh, you know, I expect that to be the case. Robin, uh, the AL playoffs are seemingly set. I mean, it could still change over the next day or so. Do you see any of those teams standing out over the others? They're, they all have their thing about them. And, um, you know, Boston, you're going to look at the offense. Uh, you know, Toronto, uh, Baltimore, and, and Cleveland, they all have offense. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be who can pitch. Cleveland's, you know, lost a couple arms. It depends on, you know, how those guys, uh, you know, bounce back. But bullpen-wise, you know, we, we, we've seen a lot of Cleveland. And, and that back end is pretty, pretty tough. That's the manager, Robin Ventura, talking a little bit about the uh, the wild card standings, or I, I suppose the, uh, the the AL playoffs as they wrap up. I'm I'm with him. I, I think Cleveland's going to be pretty darn tough. They need to 
figure out exactly where that rotation is going to line up. Hopefully, Corey Kluber, well, hopefully for them, Corey Kluber is able to go in an early game in the ALDS. I suppose, you know, Baltimore and Toronto right there in the wild card. Detroit a half game out. Still some time to shake things up. We've got a couple of games going on now. I want to get into David Robertson's season a little bit when we get back here. Um, we've got an interview with Carlos Rodon that will air right after the 4 o'clock news here. Sat down with Carlos. Unfortunately, it was Thursday, so before last night's ball game when he struck out seven straight twins and tied an American League. I mean, just incredible stuff to watch. But I think regardless, you're going to hear, well, we'll get to it when we come back here. You're going to hear Carlos and his uh, determination level, which I thought was uh, alternately terrifying and kind of awe-inspiring as well. We have the uh, 4 o'clock news coming up in just a minute. You're listening to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight on WLS AM 890. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We got you up until 535. That's when we start the pregame show here on WLS. It's the uh, White Sox and Twins coming up this evening. James Shields and Hector Santiago, your starters this evening. You can join us for the last regular season home game. White Sox will face the Twins tomorrow, 2.10 p.m. for Fan Appreciation Day. Hundreds of prizes are given away throughout the game for tickets. Visit WhiteSox.com. We uh, just took a listen to Robin Ventura, and he's wrapping up uh, a couple of different guys throughout the season, exactly you know where the performances was, some of the good things, some of the bad things. And I asked him about David Robertson, the White Sox closer, and it's certainly been a productive season for Robertson, though there have been a couple of heartbreakers uh, throughout the year. Uh, he's got 37 saves. That's two off his career high in saves. And whether you subscribe to the save being a, a massive stat or whether it's one that you just you know, kind of see as it's, it's the stat that means you closed out and won a ball game, um, I think a lot of teams would tell you that you know, those last three outs, while they do seem to be different for ball players to go out and get, for relievers to go out and get, you, you can't, or at least you haven't been able to throw just anyone in that ninth. There have been successful eight-inning guys, you know, seventh innings, set-up guys that were given that role and unable to succeed in it. It certainly has a mystique, and yet I, I think the uh, – importance of it has since been kind of, um, I don't know, chopped at just a little bit. Anyway, Robertson at 37 has 37 saves, 31 years old, has has had a pretty okay season. You get into, you know, the strikeouts per nine are over 10. The, uh, the walks per nine are at 4.6, however, which are higher than any season he's had um, before the, uh, or, or since the 2012 campaign with the Yankees. And in that that campaign, that's when he, you know, I, I think really came into his own. Um, maybe the 2011 year, one where he's, you know, walking a handful and, and finishing in a, in a Cy Young voting and being fantastic. Um, since then, you know, the, the walks have come back down. And I guess, you know, if there was a pointed criticism of Robertson before he came over to the White Sox, before he signed with the White Sox, is that it seemed as though in New York, when he was given, you know, opportunities to close maybe three days out of four or three straight ball games, something like that, the 
his control seemed to flag a little bit as the outings kind of built up. It seemed as though that, you know, that third day things weren't quite as sharp and maybe he was a little bit hittable. That's kind of been, you know, it's been kind of a, you know, it's a wide kind of criticism to throw at a guy, but you heard Robin, I actually asked Robin about the walks from Robertson and exactly why that's been this year. And he kind of attributed it to his own, um, I guess, error throughout the course of the year. I, I think he was kind of, you know, taking it upon himself to, um, to, you know, be a little bit of a shield for his guy. I, I took a look at some of the walks for Robertson throughout the course of the season. In April and May, he walked nine over 20 and a third inning. Uh, in June and July, he walked 13 over 23 innings. So the rate goes up there quite a bit, uh, almost by 10%. And in August and September, 10 walks in 19 innings, uh, right there at that, uh, you know, kind of 0.5 walk rate. I, I think, you know, as you went to deploy that bullpen, as the White Sox went to use that bullpen early on in the season, I know a lot's been made of this and how good the bullpen was in the first five weeks of the year. And then it, it really did start to, uh, to take a bit of a dive. It was uh, not helped by injuries to, uh, to Daniel Webb and Jake Patrishka. They were very quickly calling up a couple of, uh, a couple of relievers that were thrust into roles they were quite, uh, weren't quite comfortable with yet. You know, some of those guys, a guy like Tommy Canely, who I've liked watching a lot over the last two months, have come into their own and shown that they've got some stuff and they've got some moxie and they've got the ability to get some outs. Um, just Tommy Canely, just to name a few, or just to name one of, of a few guys that have actually either flashed or shown the ability to do it. Um, but Robertson was worked fairly hard. I mean, my goodness, you, you remember he worked uh, four times in three days. Over the course of a, a um, well, it wasn't a doubleheader, but a suspended game that got played uh, on an afternoon, or I believe it was a Sunday afternoon here, uh, against the Tigers. Saturday night's game got uh, postponed due to rain, finished the game out here on Sunday afternoon, and then played the next one. He worked again, uh, and, and the home runs and walks have jumped up and gotten him in a time or two. The Royals, obviously there's that series in Kansas City where, you know, they're coming back from a handful of runs down in consecutive ball games. And I think, you know, those stick out and those hurt a little bit. Uh, what Ventura said, what Robin said about uh, David Robertson is that his use of veteran guys, talking specifically, I think, about Nate Jones and David Robertson early and having to lean on those guys, was maybe a little bit more, uh, in hindsight, being 2020 as it is, maybe a little bit more than ought to have been. Maybe you needed to spread out some of those appearances to others. But, you know, you remember... Back to that point in time in May, as as things started to get a little wonky in that White Sox bullpen, Matt Albers had had such a fantastic start to the season, a a ridiculous scoreless streak, uh, appearances streak, and then all of a sudden Albers was a little less than reliable, and and unfortunately his season kind of took a dive in the next couple of weeks. So Ventura was forced to search for answers there, having had a bullpen that suffered two injuries in Patricia and Webb. He's got to lean more on Zach Duke, who was on pace to lead all of baseball in appearances before he was dealt to the Cardinals. I mean, that was, you know, they were really moving quickly through some bullpen arms there and, and searching for answers. And in so doing, I think those answers more often than not, or at least, you know, the guys they asked for those answers were, uh, were Nate Jones and were David Robertson and maybe, maybe more times, than, uh, than Robin, than Coop would have liked. In fact, you know, we, we've got Don Cooper yesterday talking a bit about 
some of the relievers, some of the performances, and just exactly where things uh, took a turn and and changed in performance. And, and subsequently, the White Sox record uh, took a tough dive in May and into June. Maybe we'll bring that to you when we come back here in just a minute or two. I, I think that kind of fits the mode of the conversation. I want to tell you, though, that if you've ever dreamed of taking BP like the pros, well, tomorrow from 5 to 8 p.m., you can join the Bulls Sox Academy at their annual on-field Fun Fest. You get to take live batting practice, warm up in the bullpen, and a ton more. All you need to do to check out the uh, this this opportunity is go to Bulls Sox Academy, BullsSoxAcademy.com for more information. We'll step aside, take a quick break here, and bring you this uh, bit of Don Cooper assessing the White Sox pitching staff and a bit on the bullpen, too, as we've talked about David Roberts and the White Sox closer here the last couple of minutes. You can get involved with the show, too. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. You can hit us on Twitter, at C1McKnight. We'll take a quick break here, and you'll hear from Don Cooper when we come back on White Sox Weekly, WLS AM 890. Steve Dahl, weekday afternoons, 2 till 6, on WLS AM 890. Welcome back. You've got White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890, final Saturday of the 2016 season. Glad to have you with us. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. You're going to want to get MLB.TV Premium. You can watch every out-of-market game live in HD on more than 400 supported devices. Theoretically, you could you could watch them all at the same time if you wanted it was uh, MLB, MLB.TV. Scott Merkin of MLB.com has wandered into the booth here. I can't imagine why. If you want to sit down, we can talk, Scott, if you'd like. The, the shun has been lifted. If you, if you follow White Sox baseball, you likely – hold on. Merk, let me just – can I do my job first for a second here? Let me just do – I guess. Can I just do my – okay. Uh, MLB.TV Premium, it's fantastic. Even Scott Merkin would agree with that. Yes. You can watch every out-of-market get dynamite drop-in. You watch every out-of-market game live in HD on more than 400 supported devices. Even Scott Merkin's phone held together by scotch tape. No, not anymore. Which has since been retired. Yeah. You can enjoy a free subscription to AtBat Premium, the number one app for live baseball. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.TV. Scott Merkin joining us. Uh, the shun has been lifted. Scott is a... Uh, is a Michigan alumnus. He is a uh, Michigan supporter, a diehard University of Michigan fan. I myself, yours truly, I went to the venerable University of Wisconsin. As did both Madison. my great younger brothers. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I have a soft spot for Wisconsin, but I, I didn't like the end of that first half. You uh, got to make thirty-one yard field goals if you're going to beat a good team like Wisconsin. I didn't, I didn't see it. I was here doing my. Well, job. that's the way to do it. We, uh, we had it. On, I had it on the TV next to me as I was doing my job. Our, so. our alma maters are, are locked in battle here, and probably at halftime or so. So that's why Scott's taking some time. Uh, Merck, I just wanted to ask you. We were talking a little bit about the bullpen, and I appreciate right. you stopping by and hanging out some. Talking about the bullpen, and uh, Don Cooper spoke yesterday with us on the pregame show, and we'll bring you that in just a couple of minutes, but. You know, as you look long term, kind of zoom out a little bit as at this whole season. Robin talked yesterday about having to use some of those veteran guys a lot more often than maybe he'd have liked early right. on in the year. Does that, you know, in your experience having covered a lot of these, does that really wear on guys as much as as we saw? Well, I think you know you can't make excuses, and, and good teams don't make excuses because they everyone has injuries. But I think the Zach Putnam and Jake Patriska injuries really hurt this team this year because those were guys who could have picked up innings 
you know, in the sixth, seventh inning, and also could have spelled guys like Nate Jones and David Robertson late in the game, too. They both have extensive, not extensive, but more than nominal closing experience sure. or late inning experience, so they could do that. So I think those were two huge injuries by all accounts. We've talked to both of them since they had their season-ending surgeries. They're doing great. So they should, you know, they should be back and ready to go by spring training. And that's, you know, if, if, you, if they decide to move forward and go at, after it again and you keep that group together with Robertson and Jennings and Jones and Patricia and Putnam, and then I think, you know, Zach Birdie is going to probably force the issue or, you know, in spring training. I think he would have been here this year if there was more on the line for the White Sox, you know, where it would have made some sort of difference. Mm-hmm. And he also had, had a pretty high inning count, too, when you count, you know, college and everything yeah. else. But I, I think it's a pretty good bullpen, but I think you can't overlook what – Putnam and Patricia's injuries meant to this team. I really liked what I've seen out of Tommy Canely the last yeah. month or so. I, I think the stuff is nasty. That changeup when he has it working in the low 90s is pretty filthy. I, I would be interested to see because obviously the, you know there are questions as to where this team chooses to go during this offseason. If it is a uh, – Rick has said many times, General Manager Rick Hahn has said many times, that everything's on the table. And if it is indeed a moving of assets to bring in younger players, if that goes all the way or if that's just a a partial step in that direction, there are a number of guys on this team that could theoretically be moved. You know, guys like Roberts and guys like Melky Cabrera or even other bullpen pieces that other teams would absolutely snap up. And you could kind of, you know, rework things in that area too. Well, you would guess they would snap. I mean, I think one thing you have to do as the White Sox go forward, whether they rebuild or whether they, you know, replenish and really go after it, is have an accurate assessment of what your guys are worth and what you have there. You know, are are they worth more to you or are they worth more when you move them? A guy like Chris Sale is worth a lot wherever you put him. Anywhere you You know, even if he's watching the Michigan-Wisconsin game with us, he's still worth a lot right there. But I'm not, by the way. He is not currently. No, he is not in this. I can can say Chris Sale is not. He's probably in the clubhouse doing something else. Probably. But anyways, but I do think, like you said, in the offseason, I think what happened at the trade deadline is, take David Roberts, for example, who's had a, a good year. He's had a couple, you know, significant blips, but he's had a good year overall in terms of save numbers and save percentage and everything else. I'm sure he'd like a couple of those rough ones back, which, you know, sure, changes yeah. the and ninth inning, you know, things like that change momentum. But we were talking before you got in here about a, a you know, a day in New York and a, and a weekend in Kansas City where right. things did not go well at the all. Game in, well, the game in Texas wasn't him, but how about the Seattle game when right. Chris Sale had the one hitter and yep. into the ninth and that, then, then that happened. But, yeah, I think this year at the trade deadline, maybe he wasn't as in demand because of the fact that the teams that needed closers went out and got them right away. Yeah. Got Chapman, got Miller, got uh, Melanson, I think you pronounce his name, Mark Melanson. Yeah, Mark uh, Melanson was on that list. So, and the, I don't think I, the Giants probably, in hindsight, could have would have benefited greatly from acquiring a David Robertson, right. you know, but they didn't, and they really weren't. So maybe in the offseason, if you're going to go and rebuild, or you're going to go maybe more a subtle rebuild and say, well, if we trade a, a, a guy like David Robertson, by the way, great clubhouse guy and great in the community too, yeah. so he's everything the White Sox have wanted. But if you're going to move him and you say, well, you have Nate Jones that could slide into that closer's role, or you have Birdie potentially as someone, or even like a guy like Tommy Canely down the line who's got that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. then, you know, there may be more teams that are looking for closers. I think that was the, the theory about, you know, people were a little upset overall when no moves were made at the trade deadline. But you do have chances. It wasn't like that was a one-or-done shopping right then. You know, you could do it in the offseason too. Yeah, it was a weird situation coming up to that deadline where – strange. I shouldn't say weird, but just a, a – um, you don't see it all that often where a team has guys that you could move, but guys that will be likely in similar situations. You know, we talked yesterday with Robin about Melky Cabrera and his right. 2016. He's under control for another year as Melky. He has had 
I think he's been the most consistent offensive player on this team. I would think so. Yeah. Adam Eaton. Yeah. Yeah, because Jose Abreu has been tremendous. The first two months were terrible. Or, or a little. I don't even know if terrible was it, but he wasn't doing what you what you thought he could do. Well, right? You know, yeah. Given the production and expectation. I mean, you know, Jose Abreu, you're not going to see many months like July where he didn't hit a home run the no. entire month. No, you know, and, and that's what that's what he's you know that's what they want from the, the yep. middle of the order production. But yeah, Melky's had a great consistent season overall. Adam Eaton's had a great. It, it's funny because you're going to look at the numbers at the end of the year, and you might have two guys of the hundred. You know, RBIs, you have a 40 home run guy, mm-hmm. you have a, a Cy Young contender and a guy in Quintana who's probably just on the outskirts of the, probably maybe the sixth guy in, yeah. in the, you know, Cy Young, right there though. A, a closer who's going to save close to 40, one of the better setup guys in baseball, a guy who, you know, is competing for a gold glove probably in right field, and still you're going to end up, you know, below 500. So it, it shows you, like Rick said, you're kind of mired in that mediocrity. And you got to do something to, you know, go and want. You got to pick a lane and kind of travel down that for a little bit. I, I think, you know, as we as we do some of these shows during the off season and as the weeks kind of uh, creep up on us after the World Series, I I think we're going to take a look at this free agent class. And it's a tough time to be wanting more than you know maybe one two things free agent wise. Yeah, just, it's not a great class. No, I mean, I mean, just not. Far be it for me to criticize one player or the other, but I'm just saying in terms of yeah, high-end value, yeah. it, it's not as good as years past, that's for sure. And, and, you know, that said, it's weird. You know, you look at the big contract signed this year, Justin Upton and Jason Hayward. I mean, Hayward, for their Hayward had, is a very good defensive player very good. and had the benefit of playing on the best team in baseball. So his slump isn't as pronounced. Justin Upton, credit to him, phenomenal second half, especially the last few weeks. He's Absolutely. been tearing up, and one of the main reasons Detroit is – Right in the thick with two days left of that wild card race. But that Alex Gordon's had a Alex Gordon's unfortunately, you know, after the, the year he had, has had an awful season. Just, you know, and Suspettis has been great. I've, I mean, yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah. he's buoyed that offense. I keep on forgetting about Alex Gordon as one of those free agents that signed because he stayed right. with the Royals. Right. So in your head, it doesn't click right away. But of course, it was there, and, and there were rumors about the, you know, even the White Sox maybe kicking right. the tires on one Alex Gordon. I have to imagine that outfield is a is an area of need for them. You know, you've seen what happened with uh, with Austin Jackson going down for the remainder of the season. J.B. Shuck has been a, an absolute soldier out there and gone out there and done everything he can. Um, but that's that's not, you know, they, there's an extra bat needed in this White Sox lineup, yeah. preferably from the left side. I would say center field is someone they're going to look at. Catcher, you know, for someone they, can, they know they can go out there and play 110, 120 games for you out there. I think those are a couple of the... The, the big spots you're targeting. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Merck, thanks for stopping. All right, I really appreciate it. We'll Good luck next week. To, uh, yeah, next week. <laughs> it's, our, it's the bye week for Wisconsin. And our, who does Michigan get? I'm sure you know. Uh, Rutgers. Oh, okay. Nice. That is the bye week. Sorry. You and Todd Frazier are going to hang out. and uh, Probably not, no. but we'll talk about it beforehand. Probably, <laughs> probably not. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, hanging out with you here on White Sox Weekly. Appreciate all of his contributions throughout the season. He is a uh, He's a good man, a good man and decent even though he roots for the wrong football team this weekend. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. I wanted to, Merck just walked into the booth like he owned the place. Otherwise, we were going to play you a little bit of Don Cooper from yesterday. I have, uh, we've abutted the 430 news, though. So, here's the plan, rest of the show. 430 news, Carlos Rodon, the man who struck out seven straight Twins last night will join us just on the other side of the news, so keep it here. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLSAM 890. WLSAM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly out here at U.S. Cellular Field. Two more ball games this year. James Shields and Hector Santiago, a former White Sox 
going to do the pitching this afternoon, this evening. Sox fans, you win with Papa John's Pizza. If the Sox win today, you get 50% off your entire online order of regular menu-priced items tomorrow only at papajohns.com. That's a good thing to have on a Sunday. When you use promo code SOXWIN at participating Papa John's locations, you get the whole deal. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. You may want to use it after we hear from our next guest. Carlos Rodon struck out seven in a row last night to open up the ballgame. Set all kinds of records doing it. He matched Joe Cowley's club and American League record for consecutive game opening strikeouts. He tied Cowley's Sox record for most consecutive strikeouts in a game. Jim Deshays of the Houston Astros back in 86 against the Dodgers and Jacob DeGrom of the Mets uh, back against Miami in 2014 owned the major league record since 1900 with eight strikeouts to start a game. Uh, Carlos also recorded 10 strikeouts, uh, 10 or more, for the fourth time in his career. And if you go back to his prior start where he struck out the side to end the game, 10 consecutive strikeouts uh, for Carlos in his you know last 10 at-bats. Impressive stuff. Last guy to do that, by the way, strike out 10 in a row over uh, over any stretch in between games, Eric Gagne back in that 03 season where Gagne was uh, striking out everybody and saving all kind of games for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Carlos and I sat down uh, Thursday before that start. I wanted to kind of wrap his season up a little bit because of, of all the guys on this roster. I think Carlos was one that White Sox fans probably would have said, probably would have assumed, I guess, uh, this guy is the guy that's going to take a big step forward this year. He is a uh, number one pick for an organization, third overall, could have gone 1-1, the whole thing. And and I, as much as anyone else, absolutely loved the potential that Carlos had coming out of NC State. And even though you know I wasn't doing this job then, absolutely thrilled that the White Sox were able to land him at three. That's, I just, you know, I, I can't profess to be a, a great scout or anything like that, but I, you know, seeing what I saw from Carlos at NC State, I, I was all over it and a big fan. And I think we've seen a lot of the potential reached. I think we've seen even, you know, potential for more. And I think last night and his starts since the beginning of August have really shown you exactly where and how he's trying to get better as a major league pitcher. I think it's easy to forget that last season was his, that this season rather is his first full go through 162 games. One DL stint tripped over the railing. We'll talk about that a little bit in this interview coming up. But um, I, I think you know, starting with Carlos, I, I wanted to start just essentially taking last year against this year and maybe measuring things up. So here he is, White Sox starter Carlos Rodon and myself in the dugout uh, on Thursday. So, Carlos, your first full season through the big leagues, first start of the year, you know, you had some good starts, had some rough ones, and then this last two months, you've been on a roll. How have the season, you know, this whole first run through the big league gone for you? How is it different from the first time around last season? Once again, man, in this game, you're constantly learning on, you know, learning your craft and learning about yourself. And I'm so young, still, still growing, still growing in pitching, still growing in the game, still growing mentally, so... 
Uh, there's things that's changed, you know, as far as, you know, attacking hitters and how to pitch them. And, you know, there's sometimes you don't have to throw as hard and sometimes you don't, you don't have to overpower guys. And just learning little things like that. Um, a lot of this, a lot of this game is, you know, watching Q and, and say they're so efficient when they go out there. You know, they, they're, they're going eight innings with 100 pitches and, you know, I go six innings with 100 pitches. And you can just see the difference. And that's, that's kind of the, the learning curve and that's where I'm trying to get to is where they're at, and that's the point. When you, you know, at one point during the season, I think it was about a two months in or so, you said you were going to let things loose a little bit, you know, kind of uh, throw with a little more velocity, I guess. How would you characterize that change? You know, what exactly were you were you talking about? Do you think you've accomplished that? Yeah, it's just, you know, maybe not so much velocity, but just as far as tagging hitters. Um, you know, there's a way about going, you know, going hard at guys. There's times where, you know, I could reach back and beat guys with fastball when they're not expecting it, and uh I think hitters are start, trying, starting to figure out, figure that out about me, and um, so that's an, another adjustment I'm going to have to make here soon. And yeah, you know, this, as far as uh, this little run will be going on, it's been good. Uh, the progression of the changeup, uh, Coop and I working on it, and mm-hmm. you know, just having it called by Omer back there, you know, give me a chance to throw it. It's, it's helping with my confidence and helping, you know, helping me getting the hitters off those fastballs and sliders every time. Um, just another another thing they could see, just an easy. Early early outs, uh, just quicker innings with that pitch. You won't remember this, but your first spring training, I was down in Arizona, and we talked a little bit about your slider and how you like to take a little off, put a little on. You can kind of shape it two different ways. I think I remember you saying at that point. You know, that was a while ago, though. Yeah. Do you find that that's you know still something you can do to big league hitters? Yeah, uh, for sure. I do it all the time. You know, throughout the games, when Omar calls it, we go back to our slider. It's not a slider. It's as hard. It'll probably be 83 to 85 max. Right. And if we want to drop one in down the middle, it's probably going to be anywhere from 85 to 87. And we're back putting to someone, it's probably anywhere from 88 to 91. So well, I've seen a 93 varies, from you there. Yeah, it, it varies <laughs> depending on, you know, the situation. But, you know, that's those are the three sliders. And uh, the back door is almost like a slurve. The one down the middle is like a, your generic slider with depth. And then the, the last one is just like a hard-biting slider. Do you find that that having all three of those makes it difficult to you know can you lose one and have the other two or have two yeah, and have days, one? Yeah, there's days there's days I don't have it at all. And there's yeah. days that I have all three, or there's days that I have one and not the other two, or yeah. two or not the one. It's it, it, it varies. It varies, and you know those are the adjustments you have to make in this game. And there's been a couple times here I've gone out there and you know I wouldn't I didn't have nothing. I had poor fastball, poor changeup, and I just had to compete. And, it, that's 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 the name of the game when you play 162 and we're starting 30 of them. You're not going to have your best stuff every day, but you know the guys that are real successful like Hugh and Sale and you know Kluber and other guys in this league, uh, even when they have their bad stuff, they're still dominant guys and they don't we don't even know it. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I want to be. <laughs> I get the sense that. Getting deeper into starts is a big thing on that checklist for you. Yeah, uh, that's that's the that's the name of the game for starters. Eating up innings. I mean, you want to be one of the guys that has. You want to be top five in innings. That's one of my goals. You know, 225, 230 innings, over 200 innings the rest of my career is my plan. And just to be a workhorse to, to eat up those innings and save the bullpen. You know, seven, eight, seven, eight innings every time out. And, you're doing your job. Yeah, you've been getting deep though. You had a 122, I think, at some point in uh, at the end of August. I think it was. You can't. I mean, I know you're going to say you feel good, 
but you can't feel the exact same as you did at this point last season just because you've thrown so much more. Can you can you tell us what the difference is and how you feel now and how you felt then? Um, last year, I had more starts that were skipped. I had time in between, you know, six, seven, six, seven days. You started in the bullpen, too, yeah. so. Yeah, I started, I made my first start, I think, like, May 9th or something, and, uh, We'd go five days, five days for like three weeks straight, and then you know, like give me six or seven days for two weeks straight, and then we go back to five. So it was kind of on and off, but this year it's been more five days every time out, five days every time out, five days every time out, and skip every once in a while with a day off in between, but it wouldn't happen often. And you know, that kind of when you're not used to it, um, it, it wears on you. Uh, you know, I felt a little bit, not going to lie. Uh, sure. But, you know, I, I don't think there there is, you know, when you're just starting in, in this business, I don't think there's any sort of physical condition or conditioning that you can do to get you ready for what you're about to do here. Right. Uh, you just have to do it. You have to go through it once or twice or three times so you get used to it. Your arm, bo- arm and body get used to it. Um, and, you know, it's second time through, and, you know, now it's more consistent. Like I said, five days every time through, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm, I'm a little worn out, but still, still kicking strong here. Yeah. I wish it would have been 190 innings instead of a, whatever it's going to be, 168 or 165 innings is what I'm going to be at. If I wouldn't have jumped over that stupid <laughs> freaking dugout uh, thing, we would have been at uh, 190 or whatever. Did you... Uh... <laughs> Did you slip going up and over? Yeah, I, I slipped going up and over and fell on it. Um, you're not the first. You're yeah. not. You're not the first guy to take it. it wasn't purposeful, that's for sure. Well, sure. So, I'm asking everybody this, kind of as we round out the season. What is the one lesson you learned, whether it's about yourself, whether it's about this ball club, about competing at the big leagues, that you that took you by surprise? You know, something you learned that you didn't exactly think you'd be uh, learning at this point in your life. I don't think. People expect to learn this at any moment. I don't know. Um, maybe it takes it takes time for certain people. Some people probably learn it um, when they're older, and some uh, tragic happens. Um, so we had Jose Fernandez pass. Yeah. What last week? A couple days ago. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a it's a simple life lesson. You know, don't take don't take things for granted. Um, I didn't know him, but I knew of him. Um, never got to meet him. But just the way watching him, how he enjoyed the game. You know, you've seen the videos all week long. And, sure. And the, the things he did. And, you know, even though sometimes he pissed some people off when he was playing the game. Yeah. I'll tell you what, he was having the most fun of his life. And just just a little little lesson for everyone, you know. Just don't take, don't take this game for granted. And don't take anything you have for granted. Because, I mean, a guy that you thought probably would was probably going to be one of the best pitchers in the game and probably was, to me, like never would have thought this would have happened to any superstar that I think pretty much are like, you know, untouchables. They're not un- and it, and untouchable. Yeah, they're not untouchable. I mean, yeah. you're not. Anything can happen. So that's that's the one thing I learned, and I learned it uh, last week. <laughs> Appreciate you sitting down, Carlos. Yeah. Really do. Yeah. That's Carlos Rodon, White Sox starter. I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't expect, you know, when I asked him, what what lesson you learned that I that you didn't expect to learn? Well, a lesson that you took you by surprise. I, I figured it'd be something about you know throwing a change up to same handed hitters or something like that. And I, you know, Carlos and I sat there and talked in the dugout a little bit afterward. And you know, we talked to a couple of guys about this too. And 
we just I, I think there's sometimes a tendency to forget whether the season goes well for a person, whether the season doesn't go well, whether a team's heading to the playoffs, whether they're not, whether you win a hundred or lose a hundred. I, I think maybe sometimes there's a tendency to forget the human side of this game. And and I don't mean, you know, the human side that we talk about when umpires miss a call or give a couple inches on the outer half. I, I mean the actual humanity in this. And I think, um, I don't know the the Jose Fernandez and, and his passing was, was something that I don't think many baseball fans are ever going to forget. And hopefully um, there's a lesson to be learned there. And it is kind of the one Carlos brought up is don't take anything for granted. And I think what drives that home even more with Jose's passing is that it was pretty clear and pretty evident whenever he got out there and pitched, Fernandez, that is, that he wasn't taking anything for granted. And I think that that's what makes um, his passing such a tragedy. I think that's why it's affected uh, in good ways and bad. Um, so many ballplayers and, and so many guys will continue and should continue to talk about his legacy in this game and exactly what, um, exactly how he affected them. Uh, and appreciate Carlos uh, for for sharing some of that with us. I, I want to talk to some of the things that he mentioned baseball wise as well. Some of the more X's and O's things. I think it was pretty evident his determination. And and if I wish you could see it, and I wish I could have taken a snapshot during the interview, but that would have been pretty awkward for everybody. The when he talks about Sale and Quintana and their ability to go out there with less than their A game and their ability to get out there and and get deep into games with less than perfect stuff. The laser-like focus, the sheer, the, the determination and the respect he's got for both of those guys, it's pretty impressive to watch and to see that he has that kind of thing going on. And, and I don't think there's any mistaking the fact that having those two on this pitching staff has impacted him in a very real uh, and, and very uh, hopefully driving kind of sense. You got White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890, and we've got about, I don't know, a little bit less than an hour here on the show before we kick off the pregame festivities for the White Sox and Twins. If you want to stay up to date, though, on all things White Sox this offseason, be sure to follow the team on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Snapchat for all things White Sox-related, like SoxFest, on-sale dates, and more. Uh, You can also... Check out the show all winter long. White Sox Weekly will be on Saturday, Saturday afternoons. We'll uh, we'll keep doing the show and keep hearing from you. 312-591-8900, the phone number. I'm Connor McKnight. We'll be right back after a quick one here on WLS AM 890. Big John and Ray. Weekday mornings 5 to 9. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Uh, just uh, listen to the interview with uh, Carlos Rodon. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed sitting down with the young man and talking about his second season in the big leagues, really first full trip as a member of the White Sox rotation through Major League Baseball. And I, you know, we talked about a number of things, kind of wide ranging the interview. When I, I appreciated uh, him going deep like that, was kind of taken aback with his. And I mentioned it before we went to break. Kind of taken aback with his uh, kind of reverence. For Chris Sale and Jose Quintana, it's real, and it's, um, I think it's it's somewhat, you know, kind of a, I don't know, I, I guess it's uh, in, in kind of a weird way a jealousy that he, you know, he wants to be there. I, jealousy is probably the wrong word, but he, he wants to be there. He wants to be as stalwart 
as both Sale and Quintana are just about every time through the rotation. It's a good goal for any guy in, a, in the starter's role to to aspire to, to be able to get deep like that. I think that is kind of the next biggest step for Carlos Rodon is, is getting deeper into ballgames on a more regular basis. Uh, there have been a couple of nights where he's able to get deep into a game, but mostly he's a guy that goes six and will give you a chance, but does have a, a chance to, to blow up every now and again. I think his next step, that 2017 season, will be a really interesting one to watch for uh, for young Carlos Rodon. And who knows, maybe he's hopefully for the White Sox and, and for Carlos, he's able to get to that 190, maybe even 100, maybe even 200 inning mark. We'll have to see. You certainly need a healthy season to do that. Uh, and, and obviously you wish for 100% health for everybody as they uh, strap it up for another season. Uh Don Cooper, and we brought this up a little while ago, so sorry we didn't get to it earlier, but Scott Merkin came by and we listened to Carlos Rodon. So um, Don Cooper talked a bit yesterday during the pregame show, and I want to bring this back because I thought it was a fairly good wrap-up of uh, of some of the work from the pitching staff, both bullpen and rotation, about the 2016 season. So, so here he is, and, and he mentions Carlos and a little bit of the bullpen work as well, but uh, Don Cooper essentially wrapping up the 2016 season, uh, 90 seconds or less. Here's Coop. I know the successes in my head. I know where, where, where guys were when they started. I know where they ended up at the end of the year. Uh, the bottom line is this. Uh, we're going home disappointed. Um, you know, that we're going home early. And when it's all over, there's going to be 29 teams going home. Um, we're just going earlier than we would like, obviously. We started off really good, and we just we could not sustain it. Um, you know, we had timely hitting early, then we weren't hitting. We had really good pitching early, and then we, got, we had some uh, mediocre bullpen work. You know, I remember many, you know, we, we, I know we've, like when I talk about David Robertson, he, uh, he's blown seven games, you know, but. At the end of the year, when you see all of the guys that are in the playoffs, each closer, except maybe a guy like Britton, uh, each guy blows about three, four, or five. Um, but those were heartbreaking losses, you know, in Kansas City, yeah. in Texas, um, in Cleveland there was a couple, you know. But the bottom line is we just haven't done what we were hoping to do. Um, you know, sometimes... Sometimes baseball stinks, uh, but you know what? It's still baseball, and uh, we all still love it. And the effort was there by everybody. I don't think it was lack of effort that uh, did us in. It was lack of execution and getting stuff done. And um, you know, come next year, hopefully, uh, you know, we're, we can handle things a little bit better than we did this year. That's uh, White Sox pitching coach Don Cooper. He joined us on the pregame show yesterday. He joined us for every uh, for the first game of every series throughout the season. We appreciate him being part of the broadcast on uh, both White Sox Weekly and the pregame show. Uh, that is a pretty fair assessment. Coop uh, is going to obviously go to bat for his guys. I know he's a pitching coach, but he'll go to bat for his guys. And, and I think it's relatively fair. He, he mentioned a couple of times throughout the year that you know, closers are, are – there are going to be blow-ups. They are going to be there. I think because – maybe because the, the bullpen had been uh, for, for a stretch a bit exposed and a bit um, – and, and went through a rough stretch while it was, you know, kind of raw with the injuries to, uh, to Putnam and to Patricia and to Webb early on that, 
you know, because the struggles happened at a time where they were also, you know, hurt and down a little bit, or, or a couple of struggles happened in that, you know, span of three, four weeks, maybe it felt a little bit differently than it might have otherwise. Maybe you can have a, a couple of, you know, hiccups like that. I, I would take the, the Kansas City week, um, you know, the, the three leads that were blown to the Royals kind of out of that. I, that is a... That is a rough stretch of three games, obviously, that, that stand kind of apart from what we're talking about here. But you know, maybe that, that goes a little different. Maybe it feels a little different uh, if it doesn't come quite at that time. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. Tyler Saladino talked about uh, his end of a season and kind of wrapped up his 2016 as well. We'll bring you that when we come back. We've also got the year in review. You've got WLS AM 890. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Final half hour of the show. We'll, of course, start the pregame 535. It'll be James Shields and Hector Santiago on the mound. Got the lineups for you as well. Fairly typical lineup for the White Sox these days. Adam Eaton is in right and leading off. Tim Anderson, who was just a double shy of the cycle the other night. Uh, he's uh, hitting second, playing short. Jose Abreu at first. Melky Cabrera is in left. Todd Frazier at third. Frazier, two RBI away from the Magic number 100, certainly chasing that down. Uh, Jose Abreu, one RBI from 100 as well. We were talking to Scott Merkin at MLB.com earlier in the show, and it is kind of you know funny to think that uh, that the White Sox could have two 100 RBI guys. And RBI are you know they're, it's a it's a counting stat. It is not the end all be all measurement of a baseball player. I don't think uh, you got to have runners on. In order to get RBI, it's not necessarily a stat that's attributable to the hitter at the plate, though there's probably some kind of skill. There are other skills, I guess, that are kind of wrapped up in the RBI themselves. Uh, anyway, after Garcia is Carlos Sanchez. Uh, Garcia DHing, don't know if I mentioned that. Carlos Sanchez at second base, Omar Narvaez catching, and Lurie Garcia out in center. And real quick, uh, before we get to the White Sox year-end review, all the great highlights throughout the entirety of the 2016 season, diligently put together by our executive producer, White Sox Baseball, Dave Zeslowski, and uh, assisted by Jonathan Bregman and Don Kleppen. Um, Lurie Garcia has been a guy in center field who I've actually kind of liked to watch play a little bit of defense over the last eh, week and a half or so. I, I think I made mention of it in a post-game show at some point, uh, earlier in the week or maybe last week, Lurie Garcia is, he got a couple of reps out in center field in Arizona. And quite frankly, you know, I, I don't mean to disparage the guy at all, but I, I wasn't sure that he could handle center field with some of the reps I saw him taking. He has absolutely improved and and really made some steps out there in center. Be interesting to see what the future is for a guy like Lurie Garcia. Defense, certainly his forte. He's hit a little bit. Um, and if he's able to man center field the way he has over the last two weeks, um, that absolutely adds another weapon to his arsenal, another you know little piece of versatility that uh, a coaching staff can use and employ and, and kind of lean on, too. You can join us for the final family Sunday of the season. That's tomorrow. It's presented by Coca-Cola. Tickets are as low as $5 in the upper level and 15 in the lower level. There are special kid-focused activities throughout the ballpark, plus parking is available for only $10. Visit whitesocks.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets today. All right, enough build-up. We are up to it. Uh, as we do every you know post-game show, every Xfinity post-game show, we like to uh, play a little music for you and get you 
the White Sox 2016 season year in the highlight form. Bouncing ball to first, into right field, one by Lowry to first. Robertson's there! Sox win! Sox win the opener, 4-3. to three. Oh, brother, what a game. And the one-strike pitch hammered to right field on a hanging curveball over to get it eaten. He's got to play at first base there and a throw coming back. He is back at first. He overran the bag. And Abreu is running for him and tagged him. They got runners caught between second and third. And now there's the throw to second. Laurie has the ball. He's got Fielder down the line. Now they got Fielder caught between home and third. The throw there comes in. Fielder going back. Frazier tags him. That's a triple play. That's a triple play brought to you by Xfinity. How about that one? What are we looking at out there on the field? Nothing but special baseball. That was a fire drill. And the house was ablaze, and now it's no longer burning. Oh, my. That is one we were going to talk about for years to come. One ball, one strike, the 1-1. A swing and a ground ball in the hole. That's in the left field. Sox win. Sox win an 11 on a single by Abreu in the left field as the Sox win an 11, 4-3. Whew. Oh, that's a swing and a line drive, left center field. This is going to split the gap. That's going to the wall. Albers is heading for second, and he will steam in there with a double and just barely safe at second. Here's the one-two pitch to Tim. A swing and a ground ball over the bag at third. His first major league hit. It's a double to the corner and left. Nice going, Tim. This kid's got a spark, man. Yeah, that's a fact, Frank. Tim Anderson. Standing ovation for Tim Anderson. Winning run at third base. And the 2-2 to Adam Eight. Swing the bouncy ball up the middle. Sox win! Sox win! It took a long time to the 12th, and Eat cashes it with a single. He's running the bases. They're trying to tackle him. Body slam at shortstop. There he goes. Here's the first pitch. He's swinging a high fly ball to the left. This is his first major league home run. Turn on the fireworks here at Fenway. First pitch out of here, and Anderson goes deep over the green monster. So it wants a double play ball. The 1-0 line shot backhanded by the shortstop. The throw to first base. Triple play. Triple played him. A triple play. Another one. That's the third of the season. Come on. And all triple plays are brought to you by Xfinity. X1 will change the way you experience TV. In this game, I've seen stuff. I've seen that before, but not three in one year, let alone a three of the first four months. And the delivery is swinging a ground ball to third, past the third baseman. This is going to win the game. Up and up with it. The throw coming home. Safe at home plate. Sox win. Sox win. And they win on a ground ball, single left field. Get him on. Get him over. They got him in. Here's the 0-1 to Anthony. Swinging a fly ball, deep right field. This has got a charge in it to the track. At the wall, he goes opposite field. He hits the home run. We're just talking about that. One nothing socks. This is a big batter right here with the go-ahead run at second, and the pitch is swinging a high fly ball to right center field. Suck coming over with Eaton. He's calling for it. He makes the catch. Grossman's going to try the arm to throw there. This is going to be close. He is out at third base. Another guy he has thrown out tonight. Darren, hang a star on that one. And the one-one, the swinging a broken bat looper in the right field. That's a hit. That's going to get one in up with it. Eating a throw coming home. He's going to be out at home plate. And he is out at home plate. There's another runner that thought he could make it in. He's out at home plate as Sano. 9-2. Give Vargas an RBI single and a gork shot to right. And the 1-1 from Conley. is swinging a long one to left. This one's going to tie the game. And it's going to go to the bridge and left. Coates with a home run. He left that change up. 
elevated. The first home run for Jason Coates. Here's a swing and a long one to right field. Down the line to the bleachers. Slam Ola. Sox put a four spot on one swing from Eden and now lead. And they lead 10-7. How about that one? You have got to be horning me. Winning run at second and the 2-1 to Frazier. Swinging a line drive to left. Base hit. This is going to win the game. Eden around third. He'll score. Sox win. Sox win. Frazier drove it three runs in his last two at-bats to make the Sox winners. Shields deals the first one. A swing and a foul over there by uh, Connor McKnight, but he's uh, he was over here a few moments ago. Does he have the windows closed over there again? No, no, that went in, and he was not paying attention. That almost clocked him. Yeah, you, you, you got the ball game. You got to pay attention yeah. over there, Connor. Need a hit to win this ball game, and then go to Kansas City. We're in the ninth, and the one-two pitch, swing a line drive, left center field, drop it fast. This could do it. Around third, coming home, Garcia. The throw, not time. Sox win. Sox win. On a single by Sanchez and beat the Indians to the bottom of the ninth, two to one. There was never a doubt. Added all the way. One out, runners at first and second. The three two to Sanchez, swinging a high fly ball to the right down the line. Burns with a long run to the track. He's hit the fence. It's gone. A three run homer. Sox do take the lead on a high fly that went out of here inside the pole and right. And the 3-2 from Sale. Struck him out swinging. Sox do come back and win. And Sale has 10 strikeouts in the game and moves to 16 wins against eight losses. Here's a swing and a long one to left. Down the line to the pole. He's got 40. Turn on the fireworks. The Sox lead 1-0 here in the seventh. Here's a swing and a long one to right. Going back at the track, Schaefer. He'll watch it fly out. Narvaez with his first Major League home run. Sixth up each Sox. Carlos Rodon with a 3-2 pitch. Here it is. A swing and a miss. He threw him a slider, I think, there. Quite a yeah. The 2-2 to Jorge Polanco struck him out on the slider. First two up, out on strikes. And the sidestep, the kick, the 3-2 pitch. Slider, strike three, got him. What a way to start for Rodon tonight. He struck out the side. The wind of the 1-2 to Miguel. Check swing. Did he go? They'll appeal it. He's out on strikes. Rodon has faced four batters. The width on all four of them. The 1-2 to Vargas struck him out. Now he's still got that pace going. He's got a thin of strikeouts. That's five. The 2-2. Strike three. Struck out everybody. Ball gets away from the catcher. Arbaez throws the first. Six batters up. Six batters out on all strikeouts. On Murphy in the two-strike pitch. Strike three. Call. He's got seven. When I said he could, he's on pace to strike out 27, I was just kidding. All the way back to the first game of the season through Carlos Rodon's seven consecutive strikeouts last night. That is your 2016 White Sox highlight reel here on White Sox Weekly. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. Got a couple of minutes with Tyler Saladino, too. He was uh, he was fairly interesting as he wrapped up his own season. We'll bring that on the other side and wrap up the regular se- season edition of White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. Jonathan Brandmeier, weekday mornings 9 till 11 on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly, closing up the show here on another Saturday morning, the last Saturday, well, not Saturday morning anymore. It feels like we started then. Uh, White Sox Weekly here on the final Saturday of the regular season. I uh, want to thank you for tuning in over the course of the year. It has been a ton of fun getting to know White Sox fans and 
being part of the broadcast my first season. Uh, certainly uh, hope for a couple more wins than a few less, a few fewer losses. But, you know, it has been a good year regardless on the broadcast side of things, and you guys are a huge part of that, so thanks so much. If you want to live out your dream of becoming a professional baseball player by attending the White Sox Dodgers Fantasy Camp January 15th through the 21st, at the spring training home of the White Sox and Dodgers at Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona, you can. For more info, call the Fantasy Camp Hotline. I'll give you a minute to get out the pen and take down the number. 623-302-5078. That's 623-302-5078. You can also sign up by going to whitesox.com and just clicking on Fantasy Camp. It's a blast. I know some people who have been out there. It is an absolute ton of fun. Stay healthy. Maybe stretch and take a couple cuts before you get out there. You don't want your first cuts to be at the Fantasy Camp because you're going to look ridiculous and you might get hurt. You want to stay healthy for that whole trip. But it is a really, really fun time down there. hope you can make it and join the White Sox and Dodgers for the Fantasy Camp. That's the 15th through the 21st of January. Uh, we will wrap up the show here in the last couple of minutes, but I, I wanted to just real quickly and got a little off the schedule and meant to do this earlier, so we'll do it now. Tyler Saladino sat down with some reporters after his season was announced to have ended uh, a herniated disc in his back, the L5. Uh, if you've had a herniated disc, hopefully you haven't because it's a painful thing. But he's had an epidural and uh, and feeling a lot better, getting around better, but certainly not up to 100% or, or playing yet. But Tyler's been a really fun guy to talk to throughout the season. He has been um, and is kind of a a, a pulse on this team. Um, and as, as he stepped into the role vacated by Brett Lurie's leg injury at second base, he's kind of proved himself to be uh, a potential regular on a team. He's hit well. He's played very solid defense. And um, it's, it's kind of tough to see a guy's season end uh, just before the finish line, certainly not of his own doing. Uh, but he'd had a good stretch there, and I, I figured well, Sox fans might want to hear from Tyler kind of wrapping up his own season and addressing the, the injury issue that he's gone through over the last uh, the last two weeks. Here's Tyler. Uh, actually, it was, I mean, it happened when I was out on the field, and after that, just any basic movement really was enough. It was kind of, it was kind of crippling for a little bit. So um, those first few days, I really was just like out of commission, kind of just like find a comfortable spot and stay there because just like standing up was a catch and um, it was pretty painful so that's how I knew it was a little bit more and that's why I um, just went and got that shot to try and let the medicine get there right away and, and it's been working it's been helping a lot so I'm able to obviously walk around move around do all kinds of stuff as far as just you know, being here and getting around. Before the first few days when it was crippling, that was when I was in Cleveland. Yeah. How would you sum up your season? Uh, you closed pretty strong this last month, opened some eyes up around here. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun being out there every day with the guys. Um, I mean, we're, you know, the whole season was a roller coaster for everybody around here. Um, and you know how the the whole the whole kind of approach we've had all year of just still grinding, you know, like just every game was was its own, and uh, yeah, it was. I mean, they're still doing it. They're still doing doing a really good job right now, and and uh, yeah, I mean, kind of stinks to to not be able to at least like I don't I don't you know like I don't care if as long as I'm I'm able to play. 
I can pinch run in one one game, and I'll be stoked just to be be out there with the guys. But um, I mean, at this point, the back thing can't really control. You just got to make sure you take care of it, and that's kind of just the approach we have. Just like guys are kind of grinding all the way to the end, right? Uh, what do you attribute that to? Just the makeup of the players in the clubhouse, or the coaching staff, the manager? Or yeah, just everything around here. You know, it's. I mean, the game is is one thing. You know, everything that goes on on the field. Um, you know, our field and all the all the others that are out there, but inside the locker room, and uh, you know, in, in the in the weight room and, and in the cages and, you know, in the pen, all the stuff that the guys do day in and day out just to try and stay on top of, you know, you know be just, just to be ready for, for every game because that's how it is. Got a new game. They just finished playing a few hours ago, but they're getting ready for another one. And, and um, it's just everybody around that, that knows that, you know, that's, that's what you got to do. That is Tyler Saladino. Talking about uh, his season coming to an end, I was pretty impressed by Tyler over the last couple of weeks offensively getting a little bit done there. And that does it for us here on White Sox Weekly. want to thank you so much for uh, for listening to us throughout the course of the 2016 season. We're not going away. The two-hour version of the show is. We'll cut it back to one once the offseason starts. But we'll be there for you through every step of the offseason for your Chicago White Sox. So make sure you tune in here on WLSAM 890. Uh, thank you to Dave Zeslowski and Jonathan Bregman and Don Kleppen and Justin Basic and Michael Gray, all the guys that helped out and produced the show. We can't do it without you. want to thank the uh, assemblage of White Sox beat writers. They were a great help throughout the season and coming on the show. Thanks to Bob Grimm and Brooks Boyer for helping out with everything and, and booking said show. Jason Benetti has been on the show more times than I can count and a huge Huge thank you to Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson. They have been fantastic all season long. Thank you, fellas. Uh, Like I said, White Sox Weekly isn't going away, but I figured I'd just take a couple of minutes to say thanks. Uh, We'll start the pregame show in about 10 minutes here on WLS, so stick with us. We've got White Sox baseball coming up here. WLS AM 890.